Hello and welcome to episode 34 of the Batflip Crazy Podcast, where you'll always find enthusiastic, data-driven fantasy baseball analysis. I'm your host, Toby. Um, really have been enjoying uh, Twitter recently because people are starting to talk and pay a little bit more attention to fantasy baseball. Have had some good uh, conversations, put out a couple tweets uh, that have generated um, a little bit of a response, which I think has been interesting. Put out my current uh, top 10, which actually has changed because I forgot to include Jose Altuve in it. But just wanted to put it out there and uh, get folks' thoughts on it. I'm really surprised. There is a ton of Trey Turner hate out there. Um, I got a, I had a really good conversation with Pat D uh, over at the Fantasy World Over Order podcast. Um, he's not necessarily a huge Trey Turner fan, and uh, I know that from listening to his show. And uh, we had a good kind of little back and forth talking about the value of speed. But then I've heard from like three or four other people. I'd say like 75% of the comments on the top 10 is how on earth do you have Trey Turner as the fifth, uh, fifth, the fifth pick? That's terrible. There's no reason he should ever be in front of anybody. Uh, and yeah, it's just been interesting to kind of see that. And I think that highlights a little bit um, people. One of the things that I've, that I've noticed over the years is how much people, um, I feel like people fail to value steals. Um, whether it's because you don't need as many um, to be successful um, or whatnot, but people love their home runs. So guy hits a ton of home runs. People love to see that in a profile, but the stolen bases aren't necessarily something that a lot of people I feel like value. And for me, where that really brings value is in the flexibility it gives you later on in the draft. If you draft a guy like a Trey Turner, somebody that you can bank on for, you know, 40 stolen bases or so, and you know that you only need, you know, I'm making this up right now, but 120 to win the category or, you know, something like that. Um, or even 80 to be competitive in the category, it gives you so much flexibility uh, later on in the draft as you build your team to pick pockets of value instead of forcing yourself into getting uh, a stolen bases guy. Now, I'm never just going to pick up Turner and then wait five or six rounds to pick up guys later on. Um, I'm always going to surround Turner. I'm always going to surround a stolen base anchor. Um, with a lot of other guys who give me double-digit stolen bases because it, it builds in some insurance. Um, it diversifies your squad so that if Trey Turner happens to get injured, you're not going to be as hamstrung as you would be if you were relying on him or any other speedster um, for, for that speed. And what I love the most about uh, getting that speed early and getting it in balanced profiles um, where guys are providing... Um, you know, five, four category contributions is that down later on, it's much easier to pick a guy who's going to get a lot of RBI or a lot of home runs and not necessarily help you out so much in average or in stolen bases, I think, than it is to get a one category wonder stolen base type guy who's just going to crush you um, in home runs and RBIs and potentially steals because a lot of times OBP isn't synonymous with stolen bases and sometimes even batting average isn't. So, uh, that's a little bit about why I have Trey Turner so high. I think when you look at my top 10, you're going to see mostly, with the exception of J.D. Martinez, guys who are stealing you know, a decent amount of bases, and that is the reason why you really lose out on those balanced profiles, guys that can give you batting average, guys that can give you stolen bases, um, guys who can give you the other three categories um, later on in the draft. So 
that explains a little bit on it. I'm sure I will do a number of different rants uh, on those topics and other topics, but I just thought I'd kind of put that out there based on how the response is going to that list. I think I may end up with a lot of Trey Turner this year, which definitely would not uh, bum me out. I also have been a little bit more down on Francisco Lindor, I think, than a lot of people. And I put out a tweet that kind of explained why exactly that was. So if you are interested, check out Twitter. Let me know what you think about that analysis. A lot of folks have them have, have Lindor in the top five, and I just feel like 2018 was a career year, and the only way for him to go, uh, barring some real big skill growth that I don't think we can bank on, um, is down from there. All right, as always, you can find the podcast on iTunes and other podcast platforms. If you like what you're hearing, give us a five-star rating, write a nice review, tell your friends, hit the retweet button, hit the like button, hit both of them. If there was some other button that would be able to tell other people about it, you can even quote tweet the podcast uh, to let folks know that you appreciate it. Just really appreciate uh, all of your help in spreading the word. You can follow me on Batflip Crazy or on Twitter at Batflip Crazy, Instagram at Batflip Crazy, Facebook at Batflip Crazy Fantasy, YouTube, just search for Batflip Crazy. I'm not at 100 subscribers yet, so I don't get to name uh, my YouTube channel yet. Hopefully, I will get there sometime soon. And then the, uh, the web is uh, batflipcrazy.com, which, as I always mention on the podcast, needs to be updated soon. All right, this should be fun. We are going to take a look at Corey Kluber. We are going to take a look at Javier Baez. And we are going to take a look at Jacob deGrom. I'm going to be digging, getting into some of these guys who are a little less certain in their position and in their skills as we kind of move our way up the ADP ladder. I think there are some really interesting questions surrounding Kluber and Baez in particular. I think deGrom is just nasty. So um, we'll see. Let me know what you think. Let's get this party started. First up today, we are going to take a look at Corey Kluber, starting pitcher for the Cleveland Indians, part of last year's top four in terms of starting pitchers. This year in the 10 too early mock drafts, he is going on average uh, 20th. Kluber has been one of the few starting pitchers in baseball who has, um, who has continued to throw a ton of innings, over 200 innings in his last three seasons, 215, 203, and two-thirds, and then 215 following that. He has also racked up victories pitching for an Indians team that has dominated their division and plays in the very, very weak AL Central, which should continue. Um, One thing to just consider with Kluber is between now and the start of the season, he may get dealt. Uh, There have been some rumblings that he is on the block uh, by the Indians that they're looking to move a little bit of salary probably before some guys get over the hill and Kluber is kind of key among them. So that's just something to consider. So the context may change and the um, access or opportunity for victories may change as a result. But over the last uh, three years, 18, 18, and then 20 victories this past year, um, his win percentage is over 50% in all three seasons, over 60% in two, uh, which is terrific. When we look at the strikeout minus walk rate, here is where you can see kind of a little bit of the dip down um, below, whereas previously, um, you know, we we went over Chris Sale and Max Scherzer. Um, we're really seeing a little bit of a dip here with Kluber. Now, um, Sh- uh, Sale and Scherzer were in the 30%, uh, 30% in terms of K minus walk rate. Kluber last year was at 223 
uh, 29.5 last year and then 19.8% uh, the year before that. So that would be uh, 2016. One thing too, as we go through these stats is you're going to notice that 2017 is a little bit, at least in his um, last three years, is a little bit of an outlier. Um, he pitched incredibly in 2017 across the board, was probably the most valuable pitcher in all of baseball. Um, we have seen a definite uh, decrease um, in terms of uh, uh, from last year and in a lot of ways, his 2016 season mirrors his 2018 season. And I really think that that's the um, uh, that's really what our expectation should be set at is not the 2017 uh, pitcher that Kluber was, but more the 2016 slash 2018 pitcher he's been um, as we look into um, 2019. And so um, looking at the strikeout rate um, for Kluber, 26.4% last year, 26.4% in 2016, and then 34.1% uh, last year. So again, you can see where 2016 and 2018 are going to mirror each other. I'm not going to point that out anymore. I just want folks to be aware of that. In addition to the high strikeout rate, Kluber also has... Um, not surprisingly, a ton of strikeouts. 227 two years ago, 265 last year, 222 this year. So you can count on him for above 200 strikeouts. His K per nine, 9.29 this past year, 11.71 in 2017, and then 9.5 in 2016. Um, when we look at his swinging strike rate, 12% this year, 15.6% last year, and then 12.6%. Um, in 2016, 10.7% uh, is league average. So that's a very strong swinging strike rate. It's not necessarily the swinging strike rate that you associate with some dominant pitchers these days like Chris Sale and Max Scherzer and even a guy that we're going to get to later in this podcast, Jacob deGrom. Uh, and you can see that in the K per nine too with the you know less than 10K per, per nine that Kluber's giving you. In terms of his uh, O contact, um, last year he had an insane 43.5%, but that's sandwiched um, in between 55.3% this year and 52.4% in 2016. His Z contact, and this is actually something that, that, I'll, that I'll touch on, his Z contact is actually above league average, 87.3%. So his in-zone contact, that just shows you that he does rely on um, folks chasing on pitches outside the zone for his swinging strikes. Um, and a lot of his strikeouts. So that's just something to keep in mind. The O swing is going to be really important to monitor uh, for Kluber for that reason. Contact overall below uh, league average, 74.8% this year, 68.2% last year, 73.6% in 2016. Now, so when we look at his overall uh, strikeout metrics, uh, very solid, but not, not necessarily spectacular. In some ways, I mean, it's it's unfair to say that Kluber is a compiler because he's obviously striking out more than one batter an inning, but he is not providing the type of elite strikeout rates outside of last year that a lot of the other elite pitchers that we're going to get to um, are providing. And so that's just something to consider is the 200 innings pitched mark is more important for Kluber maybe than it would be for a Chris Sale uh, because he's not, because the strikeouts come with the volume of innings. If, uh, I hope that makes sense. 
in terms of his walk rate and his control, uh, Kluber is uh, very elite here. 1.42 walks uh, per nine, uh, less than half the league average. 63.2% first pitch strike rate, uh, which is solid. 42.5% zone rate last year. Um, he's been right around that, you know, 62 to 64 in terms of his first pitch strike rate. And then in the zone, he's actually been uh, in the zone less um, uh, this year, 42.5% below league average than in previous seasons, 47.8 and 44.3. But he is able to get folks to chase outside the zone, 35.9% uh, last year, 5% above league average, and 38% the year before that, and then 35.4%. So one of the reasons why Kluber is able to maintain such a low walk rate is the fact that he gets folks to chase at pitches outside the zone um, 5% of the time um, uh, above league average, um, which, is, which is huge for maintaining that. In terms of his whip, uh, not surprisingly, Kluber has a solid whip the last three years, 0.99 this past year, 0.87 last year, and then 1.06 the year before that. He manages that through a low BABIP that's consistently low, 271 two years ago, 267 last year, 276. This year, um, in all three of those situations, uh, his expected BABIP is actually much higher. Um, so uh, he, he's outperforming his expected BABIP by at least uh, 0.019 or 19 points, essentially is an easier way to think of it, he, even as high as uh, 43 points uh, last year. Uh, 20 points this year. That seems to be pretty consistent, though, in the XStats, so maybe there's something that it's not picking up in the data there. Now, here is where we start to get into some yellow flags for me uh, in terms of Kluber. And when I get to the summary on Kluber, what I'll say is I don't see Kluber as an elite option anymore. He's not in that top four group for me. Um, he's probably not even in you know the top six or eight um, and a lot of that has to do with the quality of contact that he's given up um, and some struggles uh, that we saw him have um, in the second half of the season. 15.3% um, soft contact rate, that is actually lower um, than league average of 18.1%. And then 24.4% last year, 19.9% the year before that. So two of the last three years, he's had a higher than league average soft contact rate. That 15.3% soft contact rate is not very good. Um, his hard hit rate jumped uh, about 8 points to 36.6% this year, 28.9% last year, 27.6% um, the year before that. So slightly worse than league average on both his soft hit and hard hit rates. He has been incredibly consistent on his ground ball rate, 445 and 44.4% the last three years. Um, so overall, in terms of the quality of contact that he's giving up, you know, some, some things to note, he's relying on, a, on an above average um, or better than league average BABIP or worse than league average, depending on what you uh, look at it. And so that's going to be something that will be key to kind of monitor with him is if he's able to um, sustain that. Um, it's something that he's been able to do. XStats doesn't necessarily buy it, but um, it's been pretty consistent that way. So I'm not too afraid. But the soft and hard contact is a little bit of a yellow flag. Not the worst metrics in the world to have, slightly worse than league average, um, but still, again, raising some yellow flags. And I don't like to have too many yellow flags being raised uh, on, my, 
on the number one starter, somebody that I'm that I'm going to give up a second round pick for, at least in the in the two early mock drafts that we've seen so far. His FIP was 3.12 um, compared to his ERA of 2.89. Uh, XFIP 3.08, Sierra 3.23. So all of those ERA estimators slightly above where he finished last year, but again, very solid in the low threes. His left on base percentage, 77.9% last year. So above league average, 74.8% two years ago, 82.6% last year. Again, one of the reasons why he had such an elite season, uh, just an incredibly high strand rate. Home runs, 25 last year um, on 20.3 expected. So it looks like he under he overperformed, or I guess he underperformed his expected home runs by giving up more home runs, if that makes sense, um, by, by a decent margin. 21 and 22 the last two years, and the expected home runs align with that. So it actually looks like he should have the fewest number of home runs that he had given up, even though he gave up the most. Um, that is, you know, maybe some bad luck. Um, you know, we, uh, uh, so it's just something to consider home run per fly ball rate, 13.1%, 13.5% and 10.8%. Um, and home runs, uh, per nine, uh, boosted up just a little bit last year up above one, 1.05 compared to 0.93 and 0.92 the years before that. So home runs, a little bit of an issue last year, whether or not they were earned, uh, remains to be seen, but just something to consider. When we take a look at his barrels, he did see a jump in barrels against 4.4% in terms of barrels per plate appearance last year, 3.3% uh, two years ago, um, and 3.8% uh, three years ago, 2016. Um, 405 average home run distance. One thing about Kluber, he gives up, when he gives up home runs, he gives up home runs. Uh, 404 feet two years ago, 414 last year, and 405 this year, well above league average. So folks are crushing it there. One development in terms of uh, Kluber's repertoire last year, um, his uh, four-seam fastball uh, did all right, uh, 1.39 um, positive pitch value per 100 pitches, overall positive 3.7%, but he dropped uh, the number of four-seam fastballs that he threw last year down to 8.6% of his pitches and saw about a half tick fall off of the uh, velocity of that fastball. So that's going to be one thing to monitor as we get into spring training is looking at where his fastball velocity is compared to last year. He did develop uh, and start throwing uh, a cutter more often last year. He threw it on 30% of his pitches, actually, um, with a 1.54 positive pitch value per 100, 14.2 overall. That has been a strong pitch for him the last two years, ever since he has started throwing it. Um, his sinker, uh, had, he threw that quite a bit last year, 33% of his pitches. It was not a great pitch for him, right around average, negative 0.87 uh, pitch value per 100 and negative 8.8 pitch overall just because he threw it so much. Again, about half a tick of velocity uh, came off that pitch last year. It'll be interesting to see when we get into his um, his rolling averages whether he threw that pitch less or more as the season progressed because it looks like the worst offering uh, that he has in his arsenal. As we get to his curveball, um, curveball uh, also struggled last year um, a little bit. Or am I making that up? Um, let me just make sure I am looking at the right line here. All right. That was Corey Oswalt's curveball that I was looking at. We do not uh, want to um, 
confuse uh, Corey Kluber's with Corey Oswalt's. Apologies there. Um, uh, very, very positive pitch. I was a little bit surprised to see that. Um, you know, some people, um, some some uh, sites will categorize it as a slider. Um, others will categorize it as a curveball. Uh, but it's kind of Kluber's bread and butter pitch. Um, pitch info is categorizing as, it as a curveball. You'll see if you get uh, when we get into uh, his pitch splits that it's categorized as a slider. Either way, um, it defies definition. Uh, 3.36 positive p-value per 100 overall. 23. That is an elite offering. He only threw it 22% of the time last year, though, compared to 27%. Uh, the year before in that um, in his best season, and so that's kind of an interesting thing to note. His changeup uh, was a lot worse than it was last year, but still a positive pitch, 0.91 positive pitch value per 100 pitches thrown, 1.08 overall. It's a really a you know a it's not a pitch he throws a ton, 6.3 percent of the time. But last year uh, it was an elite offering for him, 4.28. A positive pitch value per 100. Uh, now it's about, you know, it's a positive pitch still, but average. And not surprisingly, it looks a lot like the changeup in 2016. Uh, as we get into his pitch quality splits, one of the developments that is important to note on Kluber is uh, the decrease in his, um, in the swinging strike rate on that slider slash curve. Uh, down from 28% in 2017 and 27% in 2016. That is down to 19.8% swinging strike rate. Again, still a very uh, solid pitch, um, uh, an elite knockout pitch, 47% O swing on that. But that 9%, 8% dip uh, in swinging strike rate is one of the reasons why he didn't have that truly elite swinging strike rate last year. Um, his sinker, uh, was the pitch that he that as we as we saw with the pitch values probably the worst pitch uh, that he has going for him um, and yet um, it's the pitch that he's throwing the most and so that's one thing to kind of monitor heading into next season is whether he continues to throw that pitch a lot his cutter uh, he started to throw more this past season uh, 15.7% swinging strike rate this past year which is solid especially for a cutter but that's down from 21.3% uh, last year. Um, or in 2017. Again, uh, a dip that we see there. His four-seam fastball, as I mentioned, was a positive pitch. I would like to see him maybe throw that a little bit more. 9% swinging strike rate, which is actually up from his 5.9% in 2017. And then his changeup um, is elite, 21.8% swinging strike rate, 44.9% O swing on that pitch. Uh, The only challenge there is that he doesn't throw it very often. It's the pitch that he throws the least. And so it would be interesting to see what would happen if he started throwing that pitch um, a little bit more. Uh, as we look at just um, outcomes on those pitches, uh, all of his pitches are below 100 uh, WRC+, plus, except for that sinker. Um, sinker's 133, so batters have a 133 WRC+, plus against that pitch. All the other ones, 96, negative 5, 61, 64, are solid offerings. Um, so that's great. The only difference, again, 2017, he had two negative uh, WRC plus pitches there. So just something to consider. I mean, we 
Kluber is still a very good pitcher, obviously, and actually heading into this analysis, I was a little bit concerned uh, when I do, uh, in diving into Kluber, whether I wasn't going to like what I see, but I'm, he's still solid. I don't think there's a huge cliff that's coming, but I do think that it's something that, um, that it's not, uh, there are signs that it, that it may be around the corner, but I don't think there's enough to really have a ton of concern um, heading into next season. As we look at his rolling average uh, graphs over his last 10 starting uh, games started, his that swinging strike rate is actually pushing up 14.1% over the last 10 games, which is really encouraging to see. Very stable O swing around 35%, which is nice. The zone percentage is dipping, but with that O swing well above league average, that's all right. First pitch strike rate around 64%. Nice. He had, he had some struggles middle of the year when his um, swinging strike rate was only around league average, but he seems to have gotten over that, and his Z contact is down from almost 90% in the middle of the season, down closer to league average, which is very good um, to see. And then finally, what we'll do is just take a really quick uh, look at the rolling average um, of the pitches uh, that um, he throws, and... One of the, um, we, I wanted to see that sinker pretty consistently thrown that in the 30% range. Don't love that. His slider slash curve, depending on how uh, people um, uh, classify it, is right around 22%, pretty consistent. He started throwing that forcing fastball more um, as the season progressed, which I think is a, is a bonus. It was a better pitch for him this year, and it might just be that it couples better with some of his other offerings. So that'll be something that's, that'll be interesting to monitor too. And then his changeup decreased as the season, um, uh, towards the end of the season. But I think the, the increase in that forcing fastball does provide some hope. That might be why that, for, that swinging strike rate jumped up to 14% um, over his last 10 pitches, or 10, 10 starts. So overall, summarizing a very long, uh, in-depth look at Corey Kluber, I still think Corey Kluber is very good. I would not be drafting him where he's going right now. I just think that Sale and Scherzer are the top, and we're going to be getting to some folks later on that I have a little bit more hope for. They're they're probably on the stronger side of the age curve and are not showing any at least yellow warning signs or yellow flags to them. Um, I think I would probably have Kluber a little bit further back, maybe in the 6-8 to eight range. Again, I need to dive into folks later on. Uh, but definitely not at 20. That's That I don't think is where, uh, I, I wouldn't consider drafting Kluber there. I just think, um, you know, the, he relies on that, uh, on those those high innings pitched. Um, the overall ratios in terms of ERA and whip are solid, but the strikeout rate is not the elite strikeout rate I'm looking um, for my uh, number one pitcher. And so, um you know, that's that I think overall for Kluber, he's going to be a hard guy to judge. Um, he could be on the downslope of that career, but there's enough signs to say that he'll hold on for at least one more year. Next up, we have Javi Baez. And one of the great things about Baez uh, heading into next season is he is going to have triple position eligibility, um, having played at least 20 games at second base, shortstop and third base. Uh, that is key. He is being drafted right now at a 21.2 average draft position, um, so uh, pretty high up there. Um, let's dive in. Uh, overall, he's played a pretty uh, a decent amount of games. The plate appearances are lower, but that's just because 
Um, he played a lot of games as defensive substitutes in previous years and did not have a set spot in the lineup. That certainly changed this year as he's finished second in the MVP vote. Uh, 645 played appearances last year, 508 the year before that, 450 uh, the year before that. He hit 290 last year with a 296 expected batting average, so the expected stats support that. Again, um, the expected batting average is based on every single ball in play, its exit velocity, its vertical and horizontal launch angle compared to other batted balls um, across the Major League Baseball, uh, which is why xstats.org is just such a great tool for folks to use. Um, 273, uh, the two previous years, uh, expected average of uh, in the 250s for both of those years. So he slightly outperformed that, um, but not by too much. He's a guy who's able to maintain a pretty high batting average despite some strikeout issues. His BABIP consistently very high, 336, 345, 347. Um, so that's really good news, especially if you continue, con- continue to whittle down that strikeout rate, which was at 25.9% last year, which is obviously higher than league average of 22.3%, but it is not the scary number um, uh, that you may have envisioned for a sw- fr- uh, free swinger like Javi Baez. 28.3% last year, 24% the year before that. So he's a guy, because he's so aggressive and swings at so many pitches, even though his contact rates are not terrific, he swings so much that he's able to maintain um, a strikeout rate that's lower than what you might anticipate with his contact rates, which is a good segue into a 68% contact rate, uh, 9% below league average. That is actually a a 2.5% jump from 657 last year, um, but not as good as the 72.2% he had two years ago. His Z contact, though, is not too bad, 81.2% compared to 78% last year, 82.7% the year before that, about 4% below league average. So overall on batting average, I think Baez has, has, you know, I'm not too concerned about the strikeout rate and the average. He is a free swinger, and that doesn't really matter if you're not in an OBP league. So if you're in an average league, don't necessarily discount him for that. He's hyper-aggressive in the zone, uh, and for that reason, Um, he's going to be able to maintain lower strikeout rates than you'd anticipate with the type of contact skills he has. OBP is a different story. 326 last year, 317 the year before, and 314 the year before that. 326 is slightly below fantasy league average of 329. 340 expected on base percentage last year, um, you know, with the expected average uh, being a little bit up. So still, that's not necessarily... The, the elite OBP that you're hoping for, um, if you're in an OBP league, uh, it doesn't necessarily hurt you too bad, but it's not going to help you either. Talked about his hyper-aggressiveness, 43.6% O-swing last year. That is 13% about above league average, uh, but better than 44% the year before that. So if you're looking for a, a silver lining, when we look at his rolling average graphs, the end of last season was super interesting for Baez. I'm not sure whether... Again, whether he's injured, whether it's just, you know, he was going through a bad run, but he had his O-swing cratered, which is good news, um, but it came along with everything else cratering uh, around. Swing percent, 57.8%, so he swings at pitches overall 11% more than than league average, and so again, that's why he's able to maintain those slightly lower strikeout rates. His walk percentage, uh, 4.5% last year slightly down from 5.9% the year before that and 3.3% the year before that. Um, And then uh, a lot of his 
Um, uh, he had eight intentional walks. So you take those out and you take out his 15 intentional walks last year and you are going to be getting uh, an even lower walk rate. Do not get him if your league counts walks as a category, just uh, the net number of walks that he has. Runs, 101 runs, 15.7 runs per plate appearance. A very solid number there. Uh, higher than you would anticipate, uh, given his uh, relatively average uh, on-base percentage, but he does steal a decent amount. Uh, last year, he also had a 14.8% runs per plate appearance, uh, so 75 with 75 runs, and so it's not uh, out of uh, it's not an outlier in terms of other um, other run uh, runs per plate appearances that he's had. So not sure whether or not that will drop, but he's going to be a decent uh, score of runs being in that lineup and being very aggressive on the bases as well. Where he really took a step up this year was in his power, 34 home runs on 32.3 expected home runs. So definitely supporting uh, that 30-plus home run mark. He had 23 last year and 14 the year before that, with X stats pretty close uh, in both of those years. When we get to the underlying metrics of his power, he had a 35.8% hard hit rate right around league average last year. That is a jump of about 3%. Uh, from the year before, and 6% from the year before that. Uh, His ground ball rate was down by about 3% to 45.6%, still above league average. Um, So he's not a guy who's hitting a ton of fly balls uh, to generate that elite, elite uh, power, but it also does give him a little bit of room for growth in that department. Home runs per fly ball, uh, 24.3% last year compared to 19.7% the year before that, and 12.7% the year before that. So by far a career high. So let's delve into the underlying metrics to see um, whether they support that. 43.6% hard hit rate, so 6% above league average there, 2% above last year's hard hit fly ball rate. So not a huge jump, but a decent one. His hard hit pulled fly ball rate did jump 4% to 34.4%, slightly above league average, compared to 30.6%. Last year, 36.1% the year before that. Where he really took a leap forward was in his barrels, 8.7% of his plate appearances this year, which is a pretty, which is a fairly elite number, 56 total. That's up from 5.5% last year and 4.2% the year before that. And his average home run distance was 404 feet, 7 feet above league average. It was 410 last year. So the dude, and we've seen some of those home runs. I remember the one that he hit to center field. Can't remember who was pitching, but just an absolute bomb. Uh, The guy can hit the ball far, and so I anticipate that the power um, is probably going to hold up. In terms of his RBI per plate appearance, um, here's here's where I think there might be a little bit of regression uh, coming in. Uh, 111 RBIs last year, 17.2% on his RBIs per plate appearance. That is up from 14.8% last year and 13.1% the year before that. Obviously, the power is going to help. The higher batting average is going to help. And the Cubs generally are a decent OBP team, um, if I remember correctly. Um, but still, that number is, is fairly elevated, and so I might expect a little bit of a regression there. But still, pretty solid in the counting stats, RBI, and runs, and I think the power um, is legit. Where he has taken a huge step forward um, is in his stolen bases. 21 stolen bases last year. 10 the year before that, 20, uh, 12 the year before that. So almost as many stolen bases last season as he had in the, in the other two combined. 
His stolen base per plate appearance jumped 1.3% to 3.3% from 2% last year. Uh, the only thing that raises a little bit of a yellow flag for me, maybe not even not a red flag because you know he tends to, I think, have the green light on the bases. He was only successful on 70% of his stolen base attempts last year. And so if the Cubs do feel like reining him in a little bit, that might be the reason why. Uh, he's below league average when it comes to his stolen base success rate. And it's also below that number around 75% that makes stolen bases worthwhile from a run scored uh, perspective. Of uh, uh, One thing that's surprising too, because the OBP isn't super elite, um, Baez actually doesn't get a ton of stolen base opportunities. He only had 156 um, last year, um, that it, but he did attempt a stolen base on 19.2% of those, which is a 10% increase from the two previous years in terms of his stolen base attempt rate on those stolen base opportunities, that is, um, that's a huge jump. And whether or not that's sustainable or not, I'm not sure, but I certainly wouldn't be uh, banking on him um, doing that once again. Getting over to um, Javi Baez's rolling average graft, I mentioned this, when we look at his 40 game rolling average, at the end of last year, he really just fell off a cliff in a number of departments. His O-swing, which is good, fell um, considerably down to 36.4%, so still above league average, but um, way down from um, his average of around 45% from last season. Um, his hard hit rate uh, also had a huge dip. Um, it was it peaked at around 45% um, for in terms of his 40-game rolling average um, in August, and then it was all the way down in the 20%. By the end of the season, similarly, his in-zone contact rate, which was above um, his uh, his average over the last three years for much of the season, actually dipped below that at 79.1 percent uh, towards the end of last season. And then his ground ball rate also dipped, which isn't necessarily bad. It means he's hitting the ball um, in the air more, but still above league average. So, a little bit of a concern in terms of. Um, you know, that, that dip towards the end of the season, whether he just got tired, whether he was battling an injury, whatever it was, it is a little bit um, uh, concerning. Uh, let's just see if pitchers pitched him a little bit different. No, it didn't look like he got pitched too much different towards the end of the year in terms of the percentage of fastballs um, versus uh, off-speed pitches he was seeing. Um, so, just something to keep in mind. We're looking at a guy because of the approach, because he's so aggressive, um, because of the the high O swing, you're going to have a lot of volatility in the profile. He's going to get super hot like he did early in the season, and then he's going to crash like he did towards the end of the season. And you just got to be willing to ride it out um, with a guy uh, like Baez. When I look at the profile overall, um, to summarize it, I think... Um, you know, he is, uh, he's a guy who, it's a volatile profile, right? And I think a lot of things went right for him. We saw a career high runs per plate appearance, a career high RBI per plate appearance, a career high batting average, career high home runs. I think a lot of that is uh, sustainable going into next year. So I think if you can look at him hitting in maybe the 280s um, with uh, close to you know, with maybe 90 runs, 90 RBI, uh, I think that 30 home run power is real. 
I think the stolen bases, I would, re- I would regress those a little bit, um, you know, but still probably mid-teens, something like that. You're looking at a very valuable um, fantasy player. Uh, I'm not sure whether I would go with him just because of the profile um, so high up in drafts. With that level of volatility and just having one year um, where he's been able to do that, I'm just not sure that I'd be willing to make the plunge. Uh, would I take him ahead of a guy like maybe um, Paul Goldschmidt? Uh, I think I might just because I value stolen bases um, so much early on, and I think the power is going to be similar. I think the uh, counting stats are going to be similar, and the batting average is even going to be similar. So I think I'd put him above of Goldschmidt, um, above Bryce Harper as well. Um, you know, I don't know if I'd, I don't think I'd put him in front of Judge just because Judge does provide the stolen bases with some of those elite uh, metrics, um, and he has a similar kind of um, profile in terms of his contact as uh, as Baez does. So I think I'm probably fading um, Baez a little bit uh, compared to where he's going right now in drafts, but I do like the fact that he is a five-category contributor and somebody who, in batting average leagues, I, um, I definitely can see why people would want to pick him um, you know, even as high as the second round. Next up, we have the Cy Young Award winner himself, Jacob deGrom, starting pitcher for the Mets. His too early mock draft ADP was 21.7. He's a guy that I drafted in my too early mock. I think I got him at 19, um, something like that. He is going to be going much higher in drafts, I think. Um, As we get closer to draft season, I would not be surprised um, if he was going in the first round. Uh, on average, um, as high up as, you know, maybe, um, you know, in, in NFBC drafts where they tend to focus a lot more on pitching, you know, around the 10 spot, um, potentially that high, um, probably going in front of Chris Sale because the lack of injury concerns and, you know, no later than uh, the the one to turn. So I do expect that draft position to go up um, because the profile is fairly stable and of what he produced last year. In terms of the stability of that profile, uh, two consecutive years of 200 innings pitched or more, uh, 32 games start, started last year, 31 um, the year before, uh, or I should say 32 this year. I gotta be consistent with that. 31 last year and then 24 two years ago, 148 innings pitched two years ago, 201 and a third pitched last year, and then 217 this year. His famous win total from this last year was 10, but that just means he's due positive regression, right? Um, 15 the year before that, 7 the year before that. He actually had a lower uh, win percentage um, at 29.2% in 2016 than he did uh, last year. The K-minus walk rate up at 26.7%, so higher than we've seen with Corey Kluber, uh, lower than we've seen with Chris Sale, and Max Scherzer, still very, very solid since the league average is around 14.5%. His strikeout rate got up to 32.2%, which is a high for the last three years. Very, very solid there. 269 strikeouts following 239 strikeouts last year. So we see elite strikeout totals. He had 143 the year before that, but that was in 148 innings pitched. His uh, K per nine, 11.16 this year. Uh, 10.68% uh, 10.68 uh, uh, last year. So again, 
above where Kluber was, below where we see uh, Scherzer and uh, Sale. His swinging strike rate, though, was a very elite 15.1%, up from 13.3% last year and 10.7% the year before that. But that's two consecutive seasons of very strong swinging strike rate, which correlates the strongest um, with strikeouts. His O contact was down to 53.9%, down about 5% from last year, which is great. Uh, In-zone contact holding steady at 79%, so well below league average, which is really nice to see. Overall contact rate down at 70.7%, which is very strong. His walk rate dipped last year. Uh, That was thanks to an increase in his first pitch strike rate up to 66.5%. League average is 60.6%. That is up 2% from last year and 2% from the year before that. Uh, O-swing, 36.8%. This is where he made huge strides in the control department. It's not necessarily that he was throwing the pitches in the zone more because he actually threw them in the zone less. It's that he was able to get hitters to chase on pitches outside the zone. And he had such a low O contact rate that that really helped him in terms of the swinging strike rate as well. Uh, as I mentioned, in zone, uh, con- his zone percentage, 44.6%, so above league average, but below his 47% from the last two years. But really good uh, progress there on the control metrics that helped suppress his walk percentage, which again was 5.5%, 3% above league average of 8.5%. His whip was at 0.91%. Uh, compared to 1.19 last year and 1.2 the year before that. Um, One of the major uh, areas of gain for him was uh, dropping his BABIP down to 281 compared to 305 and 312 the two previous years. Uh, Expected BABIP actually didn't buy into the significant drop in BABIP. It had his expected BABIP at 300. So that's one thing to consider um, with... um, uh, with DeGrom is that, you know, the um, expected BABIP does not necessarily uh, support a BABIP that low, but I will say he has consistently overperformed his expected BABIP. So again, maybe it's something uh, that uh, XStats is not picking up that allows him to consistently outperform that. The 281 is a very solid number uh, under league average, which is 293. Now, one of the reasons why that BABIP may have increased is an increase in his soft hit rate up to 25.2%, which is elite, uh, up from 21.3% last year. Again, 18.1% is league average. His hard hit rate was down too, to 26.6%, uh, also elite, 35.3% is league average. He was at 319 and 31.3% the last two years. His ground ball rate was up 1% to 46.4%. Rate, uh, 4%. And not a huge ground ball rate, uh, but slightly above league average. Um, the WOBA that he gave up was 230, which is just off the charts good. Uh, you would not be surprised to learn that. His expected on base average was 246, still very, very elite. FIP liked him at 199 to his 1.7 ERA. Wow, that's nice. XFIP 2.6, Sierra 2.78. I think those are much more realistic in terms of looking towards next year of what we might expect uh, from DeGrom because of the, the dip in BABIP and a left on base or strand rate of 82%, uh, which is very elite. Again, a lot of times strikeout, high strikeout pitchers have higher left on base percentages, but 82% is just, uh, that's pretty insane, about 9% above league average. 
So likelihood that maybe the Babbitt bumps up a little bit next year and he allows more runners uh, to score. Uh, but again, you know, you never know. One of the reasons why he was also able to keep that uh, left on base percentage low and just have an overall outstanding season, only 10 home runs given up last year compared to 28 uh, last year. Or uh, Sorry, in 2017, he gave up 28 and in fi- he gave up 15 um, in 2016. So that 10 number is outstanding. Apologies for um, slipping up with the last year versus this year. Expected home runs, 11.8. So they support having a very low home run to fly ball rate. His was at 6.3%. His expected home run for fly ball rate was at 7.4%. That's down significantly from 16.1% last year. If I was going to guess, my guess would be that he'll end up around, you know, 11% or so um, next year, uh, just based on... um, you know, having 16.1 last year and then 11.5% but before that, the middle ground of that, those kind of outliers, 16.1 and 6.3 is right around that 11%. So again, expect some regression, but still because of the uh, strikeout rate, because of the low walk rate and the solid whip, uh, I would anticipate that that ERA is going to stay low and in the sub three range. Uh, His home runs per nine was at 0.41, truly elite compared to 1.16 for league average, 1.25 last year and 0.91 the year before that. Barrels, he was very strong, only 2.5% barrels per plate appearance, uh, 21 barrels overall. That's down from 3.7% last year and 4.6% the year before that. League average home run of 397 in terms of average distance. His fastball was up about a tick last year, up to 96 on average, his four-seam fastball. He threw that consistently, and it was an elite fastball, which you'll notice that is a pretty consistent thing for most of these elite pitchers, Scherzer, Sale, DeGrom, all with elite fastballs. 1.87 positive pitch value per 100 thrown for an overall 26.1% or uh, 26.1 positive pitch value um, overall. uh, according to uh, PitchFX, uh, his two-seam fastball, 95.3 miles per hour, so just slightly down, was not a very super successful pitch for him, negative 0.53 um, uh, pitch value per 100 thrown, but he doesn't throw it very often, only negative 1 or negative 1.5% uh, uh, or negative 1.5 uh, pitch value. His slider, Another elite offering that he has, 91.1 miles per hour. That's almost two miles per hour above last season. He throws it 24% of the time. A 2.16 positive pitch value per 100 thrown. Overall, a 16.6 positive pitch value. Very strong uh, fastball. His curveball, he threw 7.9% of the time. Again, close to a two uh, positive pitch value for 100 at 1.76. Uh, 4.5 overall. Uh, this is the first time that it's been a really strong pitch for him. So he's broadened his arsenal this year, which is one of the reasons why he's been very successful. And another reason is his changeup. Uh, 2.75 positive pitch value per 100, 13.8 overall positive pitch value. Throws at 15.7% of the time, about an increase of 4% over last year's usage. And for good reason, it is an elite pitch. Not surprisingly, that gives him four elite pitches, his slider, his changeup, his curve, and that fastball. 
No reason to see any type of a downturn for DeGrom as long as you have reasonable expectations for him not repeating last year where virtually everything went his way. That four-seam fastball, as we've seen with other elite pitchers, 16.2% swinging strike rate on that and a 35.5% O swing on on a fastball, um, which is just terrific. Uh, Slider, 17.6% swinging strike rate. That is up about 6% from last year, which is tremendous. Uh, 16.5% swinging strike rate on that changeup, 11.8% on his curveball, which is actually um, down a little bit. Um, But he essentially has three knockout pitches, um, which is um, really, really nice to see with him. Uh, that um, uh, his slider and cur- and changeup are also generating a really high percentage of ground balls, 56.2% and 62.2% when folks make contact. So he's really able to minimize um, the damage there. Every single one of his pitches has a, batters have a WRC plus below 100. Uh, the highest WOBA on any of his pitches is his sinker at 298. Dude is elite, 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 um, and we know that, obviously, with him having won this year's Cy Young. When we look at the rolling average graph uh, f- over his last 10 starts um, throughout uh, the season, uh, DeGrom saw his swinging strike rate at 15.2% over his last 10 starts. He really kept a very high swinging strike rate throughout the season, um, starting with um, uh, after uh, the beginning of the season, his O swing was also very elite. Over it was at thirty seven percent over his last um, ten games and peaked at forty two point two percent O swing, which is just nuts. He was in the zone pretty consistently above league average. First pitch strike sixty seven percent over his last uh, ten games pitched, as high as seventy. Uh, 1.6% during the course of the season. As you can see, just very consistent, very strong metrics here for DeGrom. Um, Finished the season with a 80% Z contact. Uh, The highest it got was 83.5% over a 10-game span last year. Just truly um, elite stuff from our buddy DeGrom. Obviously, taking a look at... um, uh, at the bulk of this work, it's pretty clear that DeGrom is an ace. Uh, I don't think many folks had questions about that. Where exactly you slot him in is the big question. For me, it's probably going to go Scherzer um, uh, first, and I think DeGrom after that because of the injury concerns that we have for Chris Sale. Um, I think DeGrom um, uh, has done enough to really be a... Um, uh, to be the number two starting pitcher it coming into next year if sale um, if sale comes in healthy I would put sale above deGrom I just think that the overall skills and the team context are better but for right now I'd have deGrom up there I can easily see taking deGrom in the first round I think he'll be a steal if he falls anywhere in the second round uh, he's just a great guy to start your uh, pitching staff off with with the innings pitched uh, with the strikeouts with the ratios that he's giving you. And we should anticipate that 
the Mets' futility when he pitches in terms of scoring runs is not going to hold up, um, and he should at least get uh, into the mid-teens uh, in terms of um, his uh, wins, uh, if not higher, just given uh, the incredible production that he's had. So I can see taking him as high as uh, you know nine, maybe, um, and then you know any point after that. I think depending on how you want to structure your team uh, is really the major question. When you start off with a starting pitcher like him, it makes your life a lot easier later on in the draft, especially with the type of depth there is this year with hitting. So that's been Jacob deGrom, New York Mets, uh, NL Cy Young Award winner for the 2018 season. That's going to wrap it up for episode 34 of the Batflip Crazy podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, had a good time looking at Corey Kluber. Uh, really a tough guy to, to pinpoint in terms of where you want to draft him and how much how much risk is involved with his profile. Javi Baez is in a similar situation. Five-category contributor in average leagues, a little bit less valuable in OBP. But you are um, you're definitely taking some risk because of the volatile profile. Uh, not necessarily sure you want to do that um, for your second-round pick, although the... Uh, the ceiling is certainly uh, appealing. And then Jacob deGrom, really solid in those top three pitchers, along with uh, Sale and Scherzer, even ahead of Corey Kluber, uh, despite their um, different ADPs in the two early mocks. Again, I anticipate that deGrom is going to shoot up uh, the ADP uh, ladder, if that's a thing, and end up Uh, likely in the first round, if not the early second round in a lot of drafts. As always, you can find the podcast on iTunes and other podcast platforms. If you like what you're hearing, please do give us a five-star rating. Um, If you uh, are shy about writing things, the five-star rating will be great. Uh, If you feel like writing a nice little review uh, for the podcast, we'd really appreciate it. And as I've mentioned the last few times, just hitting that retweet button, that like button, or both, If you feel great about the podcast, I would really appreciate it. You can follow me on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy. That's the best place to reach me. I'm also on other social media platforms, but you can reach out on Twitter and figure out if you want to follow me on other places. Um, Yeah, thank you so much uh, for listening. Really appreciate it. Have had some great conversations the last couple days. It feels like baseball season is starting to warm up a little bit, and I absolutely love it. So... Uh, Good luck with your fantasy baseball research. Take care and be kind to one another.